Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being here this week. I'm excited for our guest. It's going to be a lot of fun. My name is Annette Nafe. I am the CEO and Creative Director of Nafe Productions. We are a strategic event production company based in New York City. We specialize in corporate, social, nonprofit, and weddings. I also coach wedding and event planners. And if you are a wedding or event planner or both, which we are, and you are looking for an amazing group of people to collaborate with, you have to go over to Event Planner Society Facebook group. Great group of people. If you're driven, creative, passionate about what you're doing, I do a lot of education in there and I'm going to be launching a workshop or a masterclass, I should say, in August. Great stuff. Our team is putting all of that together now. You will not want to miss it. Lots of free content and uh, you got to get in there. So we'll be marketing a lot about it. So if you are a wedding and event planner, go over to Event Planner Society in our Facebook group. Love to see you there. If you're looking to do a, vir a virtual, live, hybrid, what, whatever kind of event you're looking to do, please contact us. Happy to consult uh, and help you out. Okay, so my next guest is Whitney Eckes. She is the, we're going to talk about the power of influence, which I'm excited about. Okay, so Whitney started her career perfecting the practices of growing brands and businesses in the digital space. At the vibrant age of 22, she became the founder and CEO of Eckes Marketing, a creative communications agency based out of San Diego, California, which is beautiful there. I've been there many times. Uh, Eckes Marketing, under Whitney's leadership, has elevated brands such as Marriott, Hilton, Red Bull North America, Soul Cycle, Clear Stem Skin Care, and many more. Whitney continues to help brands elevate their businesses in the digital space. Her work has been featured in Entrepreneur, ESPN, Radio, Forbes, and Modern Luxury. And so many other things that I'm going to let her tell you about. Whitney, welcome. How are you? I'm doing so good. I'm so excited I, to be here. I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. Yes, you did. I okay. guess it's, it's honestly, it's like, it's like pronouncing a wet kiss, but it's I, <laughs> I hope I did. I forgot to ask you before uh, I <laughs> pronouncing it correctly. So really happy no for you to be here. I want you to talk about, um, there's something else here in your bio that says uh, about get super. Is yes. that, so why don't you talk a little bit about that? First, tell us like how you got started, how you got into all of this, how'd you get started in the marketing and entrepreneurship? And then let's talk about Get Super. I want to learn more about that. Absolutely. So yeah, so I've had my creative agency for the last six years. Um, it's been a beautiful journey, just learning really how to grow into an entrepreneur. And yeah. while I was- For sure. For sure. And while I was really getting excited about building different brands and getting excited about some of the brands that I was seeing just in the landscape, um, I started to slowly invest into brands and really learning, the, like really understanding what it took to create a successful product-based business. Um, so in 2020, I actually, we lost about 75% of our clientele. We were very heavy in the hospitality industry in San Diego, okay. naturally with the pandemic. Yep. Um, had to very, had to pivot, had to pivot hard. And I also found myself with, you know, a mental health diagnosis. I was diagnosed with severe anxiety disorder and depression. Um, I was a caffeine holic, which was actually triggering a lot of my anxiety attacks and panic attacks. And yeah. so I started experimenting with CBD. 
um, because I didn't want to give up my coffee ritual every single morning. And we launched and created Get Super, which is a hemp-infused instant coffee that basically slows the release of caffeine throughout your day so you have calm, focused energy um, that really helps with those on with those triggered bodily responses, whether that's the jitters or the panic attack or just anxiousness in general. And yeah. so we launched that basically in 2021 and we've been running with it ever since. That's amazing. And I, I don't drink coffee. I never mm -hmm. have. I'm one of the rarities in the world that don't yeah. have plenty of energy aside from that. And it makes me very nervous. So like if I, I can't have caffeine at all, um, yeah. I do like, you know, teas, I'll do teas, but I have to. So mm -hmm. I'm, I, I get that. I cannot do caffeine. It makes me very, very nervous. And, uh, so, you know, my mother was very strict about, she drank two pots a day, did not allow us to have coffee. I'm of the oldest of four. But by the time my sister came along, she was drinking coffee at nine years old. So there you go. That's <laughs> what happens when you have so many kids in the, in the family, the, the youngest gets away with murder. So yep, anyway, yep. we never did the coffee. Okay. So what is serial entrepreneurship? Yeah. So basically serial entrepreneurship is really investing yourself in, in into multiple different business avenues. Um, whether or not, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of gray area on what serial entrepreneurship looks like for me, it's being part owner in multiple different streams of revenues and or brands. Mm -hmm. Um, so I am, I honestly started off being an investor by leaning into sweat equity and then started to take on my own business ventures. And now I'm actually, I get to kind of refer to myself as an angel investor and strategic advisor. So I've kind of learned my way up of what the investment world really looks like and what serial, entre serial entrepreneurship really embodies and kind of found my sweet spot after six years. Yeah. So why don't we talk about that? What does, uh, share some things about investing and what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, basically my world of investing was when I first started working with these brands, I was working with a lot of startups. And again, in and around 2020, there was a lot of movement in the CPG space. There was a lot of new brands that were starting up, that were going for funding, and they really needed help with, you know, people that could bring in this marketing strategy or branding strategy or, you know, really put together a go-to-market plan for them. But a lot of them, you know, couldn't pay our retainers for the agency. So right. I kind of loosely started my investment journey by offering up sweat equity, you know, for either a, you know, billable hour period and or actual equity in the company. Um, so I started to get savvy of that. Obviously, I had a couple of brands that didn't necessarily work out. And then I had a couple of brands that really just thrived. And one being actually is Mela. It's a watermelon water. I don't know. Um where everyone's based, but right now we're All pretty over. much available. Yeah, yeah pretty much available good. nationwide. It's really cool. It's a canned watermelon water. And um, I've just been kind of falling in love with the founder story ever since and being, you know, someone that has both a service-based business and now also a product-based business. It's really kind of turned me on to what founders need and what brands need, especially in the beginning. And so yeah. I've been able to kind of capitalize on that, but also really support these brands and their vision through my own learnings and my own experience, as well as with additional capital now. Right. Well, that's great. So tell us about diversified investing. I'm, I'm very yeah. interested in all of that because I myself am 
you know, I always, I think you should have several streams of income because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Hence 2020, when we all had to shut down our event businesses. And so it was a little crazy. We went to a virtual platform, but still, um, and with my coaching program now, I'm trying to build that up because it's someday I'm going to probably get out of events and move into that because, you know, it's a lot of work. 30 years of doing this is a long time, but I love it. So we'll see. We're going to stick to it. But so why don't we talk about the diversity, you know, tell us about di diversified investing. Yeah, absolutely. So again, I, the way in which I work, it works so well for me from the marketing sphere, right? So I'm working with a lot of different brands. I've worked with a lot of different startups. I've worked with just a lot of different founders. So there's so many different forms of investing and investing your money properly. And the way in which I do it is I really love to look at the venture route. Um, and the way that I also do it is I've done it and set it up a couple different ways where I'm again able to offer sweat equity, which again, I don't know if sweat equity is like, if, you know, if anyone's unfamiliar with it, but basically it's giving up a portion of your value, your expertise, or your work in exchange for a piece of the company, whether it's again equity, whether it's a conversion note, whether it is, you know, some form of billable hours or return or retainer or things like that. Mm -hmm. And so very quickly, I was able to realize that there were so many people that I wanted to work with and so much value that I could offer that that was almost the easiest barrier to entry. Now with time, sweat equity, there were a lot of terms and there was a lot of expectation with that where I started to realize that if I wanted to scale out my investments and I wanted to do a little bit more with what I was earning and what I had, I could actually start putting that into different ventures, whether it was, you know, angel investing here or looking at cash flowing assets and businesses and working with different funds to add my money there. Now, the biggest thing I feel like with investing is to do this in a way where it's you're kind of letting go a piece of this money that you don't necessarily need and you're not really expecting to see a return on. And again, mm -hmm. mine is so much venture forward, but there's so many different ways to invest. And I think, again, just looking at what ways you're really wanting to have your money work for you and or yeah. what your passions are. Um, I think it's really cool when I see different people that have never invested before really want to allocate some of their income into something with a mission or with a purpose. And there's so many resources out there right now. Um, I mean, there's so many people too that are also creating, creating funds. There's, um, I believe there's a fund created by Girlboss. There's one that's actually in the works right now with Entrepreneista. And there's a couple other people that are actually making it easier for women to diversify their investments and also learn what these words mean, learn how to invest properly, but also all the different ways that you can invest, whether it is venture, whether it is, you know, cash flowing or seeing a decent return with an actual term sheet and an expedited amount of time. Yeah. So when you say venture, for those who don't know, and also angel investing, why don't you explain what those two are? Absolutely. So venture investing is basically investing into a venture. It is investing into something that has a substantial amount of risk. And then angel investing is basically coming in with a specific outline of terms. Really, it can look like anything from just capital or advisement or things of that nature. Okay, great. Great. So what advice do you have for someone who wants to start investing? I would say look at where look at what you want your money to do for you. That's always the first thing. Again, I don't know that if necessarily like going down the investment route is 
honestly open for everyone. I think it needs to be something where, again, you're willing to see your money compound, but over time. And it needs to be also something too that aligns with what you're passionate about. I have a lot of friends that are very passionate about you know, functional beverages or better for you snacks and things like that. And they really want to see a change in those offerings and in those products in the United States. So they're wanting to contribute in the ways in which they can and also be a part of the larger, larger picture of the brand and their vision. So get very clear on what you're really wanting to go into, as well as get very clear on what you're allowing your money to do. You know, I would never say to someone that's like, I want to make this money back in three to five years to go into venture. I would never look at someone to say, you know, for them to say, hey, I need to compound this money and make this money back as quick as possible. I think right. it's more of looking at what you're actually investing yourself into and what mission you're becoming a part of. Yeah, yeah. So podcasting's very big right now, or it has been for a while. And I actually turned this show into a podcast, which is, kind of easy. We take the audio and we put it into a podcast because obviously I don't want to do it twice. So it's it helps. But um, how do you use podcasts uh, to influence? Yeah. So my, so I have a podcast as well. It's called Under the Influence Podcast. I bring on different founders, thought leaders, and just people that are really, they have their finger on the industry in terms of what's going on with marketing and social media and just business in general. And one of the coolest things that I've seen with my podcast is that not only has it built a community and offered so much value to those that are listening, but it's also become a really amazing medium for connecting and for also really kind of getting the sweet spot guests that I want to right. selfishly interview or network with. And I think, again, if you're looking at this from an entrepreneurial standpoint, there's so much white space in the podcasting industry right now. And when I say that, it's not that there's not a lot of podcasts out in the market, but there's a lot of people that are looking to expand their story and share their vision onto various podcasts, which gives you the leverage of being able to connect with people that you wouldn't normally get the chance to connect with. And so for me, it's not only it's done twofold, it's expanded my story, my vision and what I'm doing with the agency, but it's also opened up my network tremendously. And one of the best ways that I've been able to do that is actually bring on brands that I'm interested, creators that I'm interested, people that are, you know, industry leaders or thought leaders onto the show, be able to really get them to share all their tips and tricks and just value. And not only that I, you know, not only do I get to benefit from that, but now I have a whole audience that gets to benefit from that. So that's something where I feel like podcasting has just gone, it's just been such a benefit to help to growing my business, growing my network, but also it brings so much value to other people that are really wanting to hear from these guests and hear it in a format that I present. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, you know, don't, I, like I said, I have the show and then I turn this into a podcast, but you know, it makes me think sometimes that I should, you know, do two separate things or just do the mm -hmm. podcast. But I do like to do the live show because I do like to do the interviews. Yeah. I started this when, um, you know, and this is a thing, I was scared to death to do this, right? Which mm -hmm. is, I'm sure people who know me are laughing because I, I'm not really shy, but you know, you get on camera, I hate the camera. But, yeah. and I started this when COVID hit because, um, you know, our industry, you know, fell apart. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what, I need to start doing video. I don't want to do it by myself. I'm a little nervous to go by, by myself. 
and I can talk to anybody. So I figured, you know what, let me just do a little interview thing. Some of my friends started coming on that were in the industry and we started just talking about what's happening in the industry. What are you doing? How are we going to keep our businesses going? And we just started talking about virtual. Obviously, you know, that was like the, the big thing yeah. back then. So, um, and now I'm like, I don't know, 80 shows in. So I just been going for the last couple of years now and I'm going to keep going. So, and then I just made it easier and put it in the podcast. If somebody's starting to do, wanting to do a podcast, what do you suggest? Like, how do they start? Oh my gosh. Well, first I, I also have to say this, like have a podcast if you're passionate about it, because it yeah. is a lot of work. It is a, a lot, lot of build work. out. Yeah. It's yeah. And it's something to where I feel like podcasting is also a slow burn. It is something where you're 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 really building up a core audience, but that audience that you're building is is very in tune with what you're offering and very show and they're showing up for you. They're showing up for the value that you offer. So I would say my first step is getting very clear on what you want the show to be about and how you want the show to serve you. Um, I think again, like bringing it back to your why is always key here before we start thinking about your audience and how you're going to grow it and things like that, because right. ultimately you're going to be the one showing up, especially in the beginning, really presenting that value and really showing up for yourself before you're able to show up for others. Now, yeah. second, I think that as you develop the show and you develop where you really want to be seated in the show and what themes and the topics and the guests look like, then you can start bringing your audience into the mix. We started doing, um, we started doing like live questions and reading reviews and doing giveaways for our audience. And it's been so fun because it also gives all the guests an opportunity to therefore like expand their brands further and get right. their product in people's hands and stuff like that. So I would say get very clear on what the show is going to be about, what your why is, and then where you want to see the show go, you know, and that's also going to kind of help the trajectory of why you're doing this, you know, where you're expanding it to. Even like you said, like you have this live show, which is so beautiful and you're repurposing it to a podcast, which makes total sense for a podcast platform and for your brand. Right, right. And I'm going to start going on my own, like going in myself, you know, just by myself and giving more tips about the industry and all of that once I, I'm working on doing all of that. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like these shows are usually... 45 minutes to an hour. It just depends. It could be 30 minutes, but for the most part, it's about 45 minutes. We run with everybody. It just depends on the conversations and how we get going. But, um, but just for a tip, you don't have to go in and do that on your own. If you're doing a podcast, you can just pop in and give like a 10 minute, you know, show your expertise. Cause that's yeah. the best thing. And that was the reason, you know, everybody says you need to be on video and, and show who you are so people can get to know, like, and trust you. Cause that's how they're going to want to work with you. So, you know, I love to teach, obviously, with my program. And I, you know, taught a course at NYU. And, you know, I've been teaching over the last eight years. When I started my business, I could not get anybody to help me. I knew how to do events. I just didn't know how to be an entrepreneur. So you had me thinking, you know, when we started talking about this entrepreneurship, I didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs. That wasn't something that, you know, I knew anything about. I never thought in a million years I'd start my own business. And 13 years ago, I just decided I was sick of, you know, doing something for someone else. And I'm just going to, you know, the economy crashed. And I thought, uh, let me start a business. And here we are. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's evolved and it's fantastic. And I'm, I have a very good business. But 
um, it's been for, you know, a lot of work. I mean, it's ups and downs, as you know, it's not a, a you know, a smooth sailing entrepreneurship is, it could be a little crazy, but uh, never thought that in a million years that, you know, I would even be teaching about it either. So I think it's, it's really awesome, but you know, the podcasts are great. I mean, you just learn, you meet so many great people and um, you know, I learned a lot of things and really the, the beginning of it was to help other people in my industry. That's really what it was. It was to kind of get me out there as well. But, you know, I'm also showcasing other people now. Um, we're not like, you know, it was a whole different program when I first started it, which was, it was kind of nice. It was bringing people together and helping them and empowering people to say, you know, you can keep going. This is what we're doing and trying to teach them on how to keep their businesses going. But um, so, you know, but guests like you are great because that teaches them all different kinds of things in the, you know, small business world or entrepreneurship. So it's really awesome. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some tips? Um, what are some of your favorite tips uh, for influence on social media? Yes. So are we talking like in regards to personal brands? Or are we talking about like brands using influencers? I mean, we could talk about both. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So again, like positioning yourself, you know, to your audience, whatever your service offering is, whether you're a personal brand, your creator, your an actual business, like whatever it is, I think the biggest the biggest tip I have is really leaning into like that core offering. It's leaning into yeah. that why. Why are you showing up every single day? Social media has become so fickle and it's evolves every second of every day. That really comes down to what you're offering and who you are. And I know that's such a cop out for like being authentic, which is normally the answer that everyone gives, but there's something so unique about you and about the business and about your true core value that it's one of the best ways to grow your community is by simply showing up as you are. And yeah. so yeah. I think from a personal brand standpoint, that is... 100% the first tip that I always give. Um, from a business standpoint and how you leverage creators or influence, I think is a lot very different. Um, yeah. But from yeah. a business standpoint, I think that there's so many people out there that can champion you. And that's really truly the way that I look at influencers and creators right now, or even personal brands that want to rep your business or however that looks. I think that having people in your corner that are expanding your brand to other and new audiences is absolutely imperative. Um, I think that trying to, I think that right now we're seeing a really big shift in the influencer market. I think that we're seeing a lot of brands that want to step away from influencer marketing because they don't really know how to gauge it. But I think we're also seeing a lot of brands that really truly understand how powerful creators are and they're using it to their advantage in the same way that they would use, you know, an awareness building campaign to their advantage or an ambassador campaign to their advantage. So I think overall right now, social media we're just seeing a lot of different changes, but I think we're also seeing a lot of new ways that we're able to market. And so I, it's very valuable. It is. And, you know, when I first, Facebook first came out, uh -huh. I actually started marketing. Like I just started talking about what I do, right? I wasn't, you know, and people were like, you can't market on social media. They thought I was crazy. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of, I don't know if it's, if I'm marketing or I'm just talking about what I do and, and our business. And when I would do events, I would just showcase the events, right? So mm -hmm. it was, it was marketing. It was being visible. I tell that to all of my students, you have to be visible and consistent. Otherwise 
no one's going to know who you are. And, and you might feel like there's nobody out there paying attention to you, but you, they are. People will see you. Like when I, you know, we don't have a ton of people that are on live, but when we post this, there's thousands of people that see these videos. So yeah. you just, you never know, right? And I get a lot of people that write, you know, and say, I want to be on the show or, you know, so it's kind of fun to see, like, I love what you're doing. I love the show. And you think, oh, good, someone's watching. See, <laughs> Sometimes it feels lonely out there. But, uh, sure. but I, you know, I've been working social media and just recently in the last year, I've really ramped up the social media. I have people helping me in Pinterest and Instagram and, you know, all of those areas because, so I, yeah, it's like, I, you know, I'm obviously, I can afford to hire some people now, but you know, when you first start out, you don't, and you do everything yourself, which is great, but, um, it's so great. And the engagement is crazy now. Like, you know, I've, it's just really, it's fun to see it. Um, it's hard to keep up with it. You know, you, it's, it's a lot, but it's, it's worth it. And that's, I mean, I have to leverage the social media. I wasn't really doing that. And I think it's important to do that. It's free. So why not use it? You know, I, I could not agree more. I mean, I, I was at the time where I had just started this kind of marketing. Well, it was right before I started the marketing agency and I was working at a hospitality group and I was begging them begging them, begging Marriott, begging Hilton, like all these different hotel properties to just open up an Instagram. And yeah. then it was just put in a travel blocker. And it seems so foreign, but now it's such the way of our economy is really seen through the lens of social media. So that's really incredible to hear that you were like first to market yourself. On I Facebook. really was. And I, you know, I think I did it accidentally, but you know, yeah. it was, I thought, well, gosh, and those days they didn't monitor anything. There was no algorithms and none of that. Right. I should have had, I known I would have really, you know, done something bigger sure. with it, but you didn't know. He had no idea. It was all new. It was just, you know, at first I was just connected with my nieces and nephews just to yeah. watch yeah. what they were doing and make sure they're staying out of trouble. And Facebook was where they all hung out. Now they're not yeah. pretty much on Facebook. None of them are yeah. there now. Not, you know, the young ones don't want to be there anymore. But um, so, yeah. All right. So what do you think of the current social media landscape and what predictions do you have for the future? I think we talked about the current landscape. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're just starting out in social media, you've got to get in the videos. you got to do video. It's just... Yeah. You really have to. That's the only way to to kind of make it happen. And there's ways to do, you know, carousels and all that good stuff. I'm learning all that crap now. But um, yeah. so, what do you? What predictions do you have? Um, you know, for its future. Yeah. So, I mean, you nailed it. Video content's king right now. Um, both. I honestly feel like short form is actually really hitting its stride. Um, I don't feel like long form is too far out. I, I feel like one of the biggest things that I've seen, at least with YouTube, is YouTube's just so tried and true. And mm -hmm. if you can really start to grow a community there, it will be one of the best assets that you can build. You also mentioned Pinterest, which I think is really, yeah. really underrated for what it can do. Pinterest is actually one of the only media platforms that drives traffic away from itself. So yeah. it's actually set up more like a search engine than it's set up more like a social media, which I think is very, very intuitive, but also a lot of people don't understand Pinterest and they don't understand its power to send traffic to whatever site you want it to. So I would highly recommend looking at Pinterest if you're a brand or personal brand and where you're wanting to send traffic. But overall, yeah, I think ads are good too on Pinterest. So yes. they're I've gotten some really good results with ads. If you're wedding planners, 
wedding, you know, brides are hanging out over on Pinterest. So you got to get over there and, you know, get yourself visible. But the ads are great. They're a lot. I get much more success on those and I don't spend a lot of money. So you don't have mm -hmm. to do that. But so go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I wanted no, to mention. My, that. No, the ads are amazing for sure. Um, I would say right now, I think what we're looking at with social media is we're looking at one of two things. One, I think the creator economy is about to expand even further. And what I mean by that is I think that there's such a, such a, just such an insane landscape for people actually making money as creators and the world is wanting more. They're setting up more platforms. There's more access. There's easier barrier of entry to start growing an audience. Um, I know TikTok has been such a controversial topic, but yeah. I mean, I think TikTok really did disrupt a lot of the social media culture that we've seen. And I think that it's not going to be the last. I feel like yeah. there's even talk yeah. of lemonade right now. That's kind of still trying to find its vertical. Yeah, and I'm on there. Actually. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not dabbling on there yet, but I'm, I have it. It's an app called Lemon 8, if for all of you who are wondering what we're talking about. Um, and I have to say, I've, you know, I've been watching it because it comes up, I get like notices on my phone and I've yeah. been watching it and it's such a polite <laughs> group of it people. Is. Like there's yeah. no, everybody's so courteous on it and no one yeah. says any bad things to people. I, you know, cause social media can be brutal. Like people are just na nasty and say the worst things to people. I'm like, geez, Louise. But um, Lemonade doesn't seem to have that. I hope it stays that way, but I haven't really, I probably should start dabbling over there, but it's, I'm still watching to see what they're doing. It's a little bit different, but it seems yeah. so, everybody's so nice. So I think, I, I think, you know, with any social media platform right now, and I think something that we've learned historically is the early adopters get in and win. So yeah. I think if you are someone that's looking at, am I expanding into these new platforms, especially a new platform, like let's just say Lemonade, where it's still kind of in its infancy, get mm -hmm. in early to grow that audience and to really take advantage of, you know, the lack of saturation. So I, that's kind of what I've seen from just the social media landscape yeah. and where we're going. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay. Uh, so what advice do you have for someone who wants to find a job in social media? Ooh, um, <laughs> think very long and hard about what kind of job structure you want. I mean, <laughs> yeah. social media is something where whether or not you're working for yourself or you're working for a brand or you're working for an agency, it's a very... It's a very underestimated career. In fact, I think that one, I think that people that are in the realm of social media on their day to day are some of the hardest workers I've ever seen. And that is because they do so much and it's still so undervalued of what they're doing because everyone has access to social media. So yeah. a lot of these strategists get really overworked and they get really burnt out because they're not truly being valued for what they're actually doing and completing. And so I would say if you're looking for a job in social media, really look at your own boundaries in your own terms. Again, whether or not you're working for yourself and you're freelancing or you're going to an agency or you're working with one brand in particular, 
really look at how you want to set that up for yourself and what you want to be doing on the day to day, because it can get a little hairy and a little gray area because you can honestly be taking on too much. And those that don't know social media and they don't know the strategy, I think also too, they underestimate the power and the, the amount of work that truly goes into it. Yeah, it's a lot that I have, you know, I don't have just one agency that does everything. I, I have experts yeah. in Pinterest. I have someone who's good at Instagram. I have different mm -hmm. people for each one. Um, I just find that to be, I don't want to overwhelm and have, you know, I just feel like if I have separate people, that's the way I run my business as well. Not everybody's yeah. great at logistics, not everybody's great at, you know, um, on site. And some people like to do both. So it just, I learned that early on in my business was not to try to give everything to, to one person because they can feel overwhelmed and then I lose them if they're good. So I don't want to do that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so, um, we're coming down to the end here, uh, but I just wanted to have you talk a little bit about like your strategy and how you work with clients and how people can find you. Absolutely. Yeah. So we work with emerging brands and established brands and basically our core services. We call ourselves a creative communications agency, which is exactly what we are. But we touch everything from social media, influencers, experiential content creation, branding, email market, marketing and SMS. So we really are the brand's level and vertical of communicating directly with their consumer and making sure that we're hitting on those touch points. And we're always open to working with, you know, again, early stage brands or very established based brands for these said campaigns. Um, and you guys can find out and learn more about us just at ecosmarketing.com or on social at ecosmarketing. Um, and then to learn more about Get Super, you can find us just at G-E-T-S-U-P-R. We are also mm -hmm. on social. And then to learn more just about me and my personal journey, you can find me at Whitney Eckes on pretty much any platform that you can find. <laughs> yeah. So we've put the uh, ecosmarketing.com in the chat for you guys to find her. And thank you so much. It's been great talking yeah. to you. Thank you so much. You've got me thinking about all kinds of stuff now. <laughs> I love it. Of course. Work in the future here. So great talking to you. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you everyone for joining us. Again, if you are a wedding or event planner and you are looking to collaborate with all kinds of people in the industry, join us over at our Facebook group, Event Planner Society. We will not be here next week as I'm taking the week off because it's my birthday. So I'm going to do some celebration. I just got back from Italy, which was fantastic, by the way. Um, but I'm going to do some more celebrating and with some friends and have a little party this week. So well, happy early July. Thank you so much. So have a fantastic week and we will see you guys in a few weeks. Talk to you later. Take care.